Player Profiler Faithful. It's Manny Kiwum. Welcome to another episode of The Game Plan. Everybody, please take a minute to like this video. Subscribe to the Player Profiler YouTube channel. And while you're at it, why don't you leave a little comment? Let us know how we're doing on today's show. Speaking of today's show, ladies and gentlemen, hey man, it is a super special episode because I am joined by one of the best in the game, and we are talking about his 2023 flag plant players. That's right, the people that you should be leaving all of your drafts with. So get out your pens and your pads, and let's start game planning to win our fantasy football leagues. Planners, today I am joined by one of the best fantasy analysts in all the land. You've seen his videos, heard his voice, and read his articles over at Fantasy Pros. He was the DFS Writer of the Year finalist in 2020. Everyone, give it up for my man D-Bro, Derek Brown. What's going on, my friend? Oh man, that that intro was too kind, far too kind, dude. I'm be ha- I'm happy to be rocking it with you on a Saturday morning. We're recording this, so uh, dude, good talks and good times, man. Happy weekend. Oh, happy weekend to you. Thanks for joining the game plan. Like I said, we are talking about your 2023 flag players, and the reason why I want to do this, Derek, because I feel like you are one of the best in terms of not only giving us the information of why they're your guys, why you should stick up for these players, but also your passion behind it. <laughs> your delivery behind it gets it going and i was lucky my obnoxiousness like the way that social deals with it <laughs> call it what you but the, i love the way that you go to bat for your takes and the players that you believe in so i want the game planners out there to know these players be familiar with these players if they're not already and then leave their drafts feeling pretty damn good about these players that they got some of d bros guys but before we dive into that i like to surprise the guests couple of questions I don't even put in the show notes. I sabotage you here. Get you from the blind side here, D-Bro. I'm ready. Question number one is just how long you've been playing fantasy football. And the second question would be, give us a quick uh, description of your fantasy management style. Oof. Um, how long have I been playing? Okay. So I'll date myself real fast here. I remember the first league that I was in because I remember – crafting because you, you you never you do remember the good w's but you really really remember the stuff that you oh, did yeah. wrong oh yeah and i remember trading away doug martin in his rookie season when we he went ham down the stretch mm-hmm. and he won people leagues and yeah that was a long time ago but i've been kicking around these streets for a minute so it was uh, a lot of pain that season but you know <laughs> yeah. just happy you got to start somewhere man you got to start somewhere and you got to sit here and make some bad moves to learn out what the good moves are so you know still here still kicking it, there it is the best learn from their mistakes what's the definition of insanity trying to do the same thing over and over expecting different results so you got to learn from these mistakes the reason why i perked up when you brought up doug martin is exactly what you're, you're describing happened to me i made this horrific trade back in the day. I trade away Doug Martin and Rob Gronkowski for Aaron Hernandez, Ray Rice. I was like, oh, I'm getting wow. Ray Rice. Cut to six months later, I had to drop Aaron Hernandez because he ran into legal issues. You can watch the Netflix documentary if you're not familiar with that somehow. And then, of course, Ray Rice fell off a cliff, and Doug Martin was uh, pretty good for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Went over to, well, at the time, Oakland was pretty decent for the Raiders. Ugh. Not great, Debo. But we're here to talk about your 2023 flag plant players. Before we get into the specifics of the players, I just want to ask you some quick questions about the art of flag planting. So in your own words, what does it mean by planting your flag on a player? I mean, really, are you going to practice what you preach? 
Are you going to draft this player aggressively? Are you going to rank them above consensus? Are you going to take a stand whenever everybody says that you're an idiot? If you're willing to do that, then you probably have a flag in your hand. You're probably ready to just 15 feet deep. When you're willing to take those tomatoes in the face over these player takes, that's what it means. by by You just described every day for me, Maddie. (laughs) I love it, Debra. I love it. Another question I just want to ask about the art of flag planning is do you find that it helps your draft strategy by planning some of these uh, uh, flags because it gives you those strong convictions when you're maybe having to reach a little bit, but you know you're getting that guy, the guy you wanted? Yeah, I mean, one of my biggest things is, look, screw ADP. ADP is a construct. And when I tell people, like, when I say that, and I say, screw ADP, go get your guys, I'm not telling you to draft the fifth-round guy in the top 12. I'm not telling you to take the 12th-round guy in the fourth Mm. round. But are you insane for drafting a guy around ahead of where he goes because you know he will not come back to you on your next pick? Are you insane for drafting a player seven seven picks ahead of ADP? No. ADP is all made up out there. And, Mm -hmm. like, this is not to say that, like, there's nothing to be said about ADP, but... Can't we also sit here and like roll through the thought exercise of every single year as sharp as ADP is, we still get a lot of shit wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that happens every year. So to go out on a limb on a player and draft them around ahead of ADP or five picks or whatever, or drafting a guy, because I think the biggest, well, one of the funniest things out there was, is when people clown you for drafting a guy two rounds ahead of ADP, when it's like the 12th or 13th round, it's like, who gives a shit? We're all yeah, yeah. at that point. You're going to clown somebody for drafting a guy two rounds ahead of where they're, you know, they wanted to get this player, or maybe they had a player mm-hmm. they were earmarked for the 14th round or 13th round or whatever. Like at that point of the draft, we're all tossing darts. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. those players are going to be on your roster when it comes week 18 <laughs> or week 17 is right. minuscule. So, <laughs> save your hate for another day man like what are we doing here and that hate comes from the same people that go you could drop him who cares he's a 13th round pick but if you take a 15th round projected guy in the 13th they're like whoa who brought the psychopath into this draft yeah i mean look come on guys i'll always say you can laugh at me on draft day but i'll be the one laughing when it's week 17 hoisting that trophy after you take down the championship I, I, that's, I think that's such a good point for the flag planting in general. It's, you could call it what you want, but when you have conviction behind certain players, that means you've done a, a few of different variety of things. You've either listened to the analysts that you trust the most and they are backing it up with proof and stats and video, or you've done this work yourself. And those convictions mm-hmm. are the pillars that you build a strong team off of because the winners, you know, those are the ones that we celebrate. Of course, the losers sting, but the winners, like you said, those are the ones that make you laugh all the way to the bank after a week 17 uh, victory. But there is a follow-up question to being, uh, you know, having the strong conviction on players that win. Now, the ones that don't turn out, do you ever find that it kind of backfires on you because you go, man, maybe I was a little bit too excited about this guy? Yeah, I mean, look, well, there's always been steps. You know, whether last year my hope and diligence about Sky Moore um, – which, you know, I'm still in on him this year. Mm-hmm. But th- there's always going to be missteps. And the way that I look at that is, is did things work out and diving through that? Sometimes it's, do we need to go back to the table and evaluate the process? Okay, maybe there was some things that I should have seen that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. The other part about that, dude, is that there are also a lot of players, like we're playing a game about a game. Injuries happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, trades happen, all types of things. Some offenses just stink. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. alone in all my Denver Broncos love last year. I loved, and, I loved Russ. I thought Russ was going to chef it up, dude. I mean, so when it, it, it's always a good learning point in, can I go back and can I get better like process wise on something or was process sound and just didn't work out because that mm-hmm. happens too, you know? So I think it's important to go back and evaluate where you were on players, why you were high, why you were low and look at that and realize that a lot of times there's unknowns that we don't know when we are drafting these players. And as much as we love stats, there are also things that maybe a player has a bounce back season or they mm-hmm. crater. I mean, there's so many that we could point to yearly that it just, for me, it comes back to, what was my process? If I can say it was sound at that time, and even when looking back, then I'm not going to sit here and change things. But there's mm-hmm. always opportunities for us to learn and grow. And when you stop learning and growing about your fantasy process, you die, man. You got to get passed up by somebody else. So you got to keep pushing mm-hmm. the envelope. Yeah, there's always people trying to get better. If you're going to stay stagnant, people are going to pass you. It's the old tortoise in the hair. Fable? What is that called? Fairy tale? Whatever it is. But the, the point <laughs> remains, it, it's good. And like you bring you bring this up, and I think that this is a great point for all fantasy gamers to take out of this conversation, whether you've been playing for 10 years or this is your 10th day playing fantasy football, is that learn from your process. You can plant your flag on a player that's a complete failure, but then realize, okay, that don't just throw it all away. What, what did I get wrong here? What parts of his game did it didn't translate? What parts of the situation did I get inaccurate? What all those things that you could take from year to year? Because like you said, you might have not the, the Sky Moore flag plant of 2022 doesn't look all great right now for everyone who's watching along your process and your content, but you're still in on the guy. And if he hits this year, you know, personally, you're still right. Your process is right. The kid's still good. It just didn't work out in year one because he's a, the first ever and since Devontae Adams to come from a small school uh, early. So, I mean, there's a room for that kid to not fire one year. So those are things that you got to learn. Uh, and now I want to get into the nitty gritty, D-Bro, if you don't mind. I want to talk mm-hmm. up to you about those players that we mentioned, those 2023 flag plant players, the guys that these fantasy gamers have to leave their drafts with. But before we do, let's hear from the Podfather as he talks about FFPC. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember... Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. It's Matty Kiwum here with the game plan, joined by Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros, and we are diving into his 2023 must-draft flag plant players. Start at the QB position. 
know, maybe six weeks ago or so, uh, we mocked together. We were on the uh, Sonic Truth uh, Dynasty podcast during our Dynasty Week, Yeah, Play Profiler, and we went through a Superflex mocks, and you picked Danny Dimes after I went with my guy, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins would be uh, probably someone that I'm ready to plant my flag on for 2023. But then you talked about Danny Dimes. You talked about why Daniel Jones uh, deserved a little bit more respect in the fantasy verse. So is he your flag plant player for 2023? Absolutely, Maddie. I'm all in on Danny Dimes. And the thing about it is, is I don't really understand why other people aren't. I mean, we saw him put up a top 12 quarterback season in fantasy last year, QB 10 mm-hmm. and fantasy points per game. And he did all of this. And we know that the rushing equity that he carries, man, like looking at his season last year, and I want to bring this up because I don't think any of that is going to change. We have a quarterback that was top five in rushing yards, red zone carries, carries per game, red zone carries per game. All of these things we love when we talk about fantasy quarterbacks. And he was top 10 last year while also not throwing the ball a ton. Mm -hmm. You look at his passing metrics. So they got through for 15 freaking touchdowns in the season. And now they added, and everybody wants to sit here and throw their lame-ass jokes out there. Oh, oh these slot wide receivers. You can't have enough slot wide receivers. <laughs> well, guess what? The Giants needed receiving talent. And yes, they have stacked this depth chart with a ton of guys. That's because everybody got hurt last year. Right. So right. they are going to sit here and field a competent offense this year. Darius Slate and Isaiah Hodgins are not leaving the field, mm-hmm. whoever they're going to use. And the other part about this, Maddie, is with this depth, make all the jokes you want, but they're going to be able to run more 10 personnel. They didn't do that last year. They're going to go three mm-hmm. wide. They're going to sit here and have people put in motion, jet sweeps, pop passes, easy completions for Daniel Jones. So while everybody's got their damn jokes and they're old and they're tired, this wide receiver room is deeper than it's ever been. They have a collection of guys that they're not going to ask one guy outside of Darren Waller. We're going to talk about him later to step <laughs> up and lead this passing attack. They're going to play specific roles. Dayball is going to put all of these guys and their varied skill sets in good spots to win at what they're good at. And this all comes back to, I'm not telling you to draft Darius Slayton. I'm not telling you to draft Isaiah Hodgins. I'm not telling you to draft Paris Campbell first year and many. I know I've been on that train before. I know where that ends. We talked about but, process, right? <laughs> yeah, man. And the thing about it is, is I'm not telling you to draft any of those guys, but I sure as hell am telling you to draft Daniel Jones, the rushing equity that he carries. The fact that the giants were a top 12 offense down the stretch pace, passing rate. They were knocking on the door of all those things. EPA per play with Daniel Jones, the rushing equity is not going anywhere. Okay. So that's great. The passing is going to go up this year. And he's the QB 10 last year. If the passing goes up, ask me this, Manny, or or let's talk about this, man. Mm -hmm. The passing goes up, QB 10 last year. What is he this year then? Because I say he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback. Ooh. Listen, there are outs for Danny Dimes to have that type of year. And I do want to echo on a little bit of of that kind of the what do they call it? the echo chamber that's out there on Danny Dimes and the receivers for for the Giants. They still got Slayton, they got Hodgins, like you you talk about. Those aren't those slack guys. They also did draft Jalen Hyatt. So yep. regardless of what your you know your predictions or what his projectability is, Jalen Hyatt is not one of those slot small players. So there are a number of these bigger downfield type passing uh, pass catchers that he can he can thrive off of. And two things 
that you talked about on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast mock that we did for Dynasty Week that I could I have yet to to lose my head. That's why I've got Danny Dimes in a lot more places than I thought I would. He was hyper efficient last year. First in true completion top, top twelve in almost everything you look at almost, for efficiency. I mean, you could rattle. Yes, I'm just sit back here while you rattle it off, Maddie, and enjoy Let's the go. hell out All of right. this. So, since uh, listen, I'm very excited that you're on this guest. So, I'm going to do this for you, D bro. Ninth in best ball points at us. If you're playing best ball, there it is. Seventh in fantasy points per drop dropback, which I will say is the. Probably the life branch that the Justin Fields believers are hanging on to was the fact that he could score fantasy points on a points per dropback. So, right, right. But it's also not, it's not surprising because this is apparent in Danny Dimes' profile. So I'm not saying it's bad for, for Fields. I'm very much on Fields because I'm very much on my man, DJ Moore. But having this in both profiles, I think, should have lend a little bit more credence and excitement for Danny Dimes mm-hmm. like it does for Justin Fields. But he's also really, really efficient in the red zone. And that's a stat that I love about Justin Fields as well. Because you know, Debro, you play football, right? Mm-hmm. When field shrinks, it becomes harder for quarterbacks. So if those yep. accuracies, those completion percentages are amongst the top in the league in the red zone, that means they are able to drop dimes in tight windows, which means if the offense gets better, the offensive line gets better, the situation, the scheme gets better those windows will be open throughout the entire field, which would lead to better passing stats. So Danny Dimes, Justin Fields, they both have the rushing. Why would it go away? And I mentioned that. That was the first thing. The second thing is the Giants made the playoffs in Dayball's first year. He's just going to, what, throw it all away and do something completely different? D-Bro, I mean, come on. This, we don't like Coach Speak, but Dayball's not going to be like, hey, Danny Dimes, I know we gave you $45 million a year. You took us to the playoffs. Uh, you won a playoff game on the road. But listen, we're just going to do everything different this year. I, I'm i so in for it, Matty. And, and the thing that I also want to point out to everybody out there is that Daniel Jones was hyper-efficient when he was asked to throw the ball last year. He was really good. And you saw, again, like I talked about, the Giants leaned into the passing game more down the stretch when they had – competent weapons so what are they going to do this year when they have a smorgasbord of guys that they can give the rock to daniel jones for as efficient as he was last year did not push the ball down the field he was 30th in deep attempts last year what happens when they have more weapons and now we see them pass for now we see them ratchet up the deep attempts because guess what i'm here to tell people like okay maybe the jason garrett years for daniel jones were not great or the Joe Judge years, all that kind of crap. <laughs> if you go back and you look at what Daniel Jones did when he first came into the NFL, so in 2020, this is also a guy that was seventh in a deep ball completion rate. He was fifth in deep ball accuracy rating. So just because we didn't see it last year because they didn't have the weapons to go deep, they do this year, hmm. and they are going to. So we're talking about the rushing is there, the top 12 production, we've already seen it. Now we get to see the true ceiling of Daniel Jones Mm. this season. They're going to throw more. He's going to run. They're going to throw deep, and he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback this season. He had 15 touchdown passes last year. Going up. I mean, going up. There's a lot of meat left on that steak, D, bro, that mm-hmm. he could absolutely see a higher ceiling. But our man Harry Snowman in the chat brings up a question, and I just would love to hear your thought process on this. So he says top five. So Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Herbert, throwing Trevor Lawrence, possibly Gino or Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Which one of these guys does he push aside? I think if you're looking at anybody, I'd probably say Burrow. Um, and Really looking at this, I mean, look, I, I think Burrow and 
if Buffalo takes a step back as far as like the passing, not the passing rate, but they do utilize their running backs in the red zone a little bit more. I think Josh Allen is still going to be in that top five conversation, but maybe he falls to QB six. Right. I mean, and the point doesn't have to be that these guys stink. It could be that Daniel no. Jones reaches a ceiling also. For as good as Patrick right. Mahomes has been, he's not been a top two, top three fantasy quarterback every single season. That's correct. You know, so like, right. I mean, we could sit here and talk about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the fact of, I, I didn't push him outside of that top five, but if we want to talk about his production, QB2, QB5, QB2 in the last few seasons. But also he has QB6 right. in one of those seasons as well. So it's like, I'm not saying that any of these guys are going to have bad seasons, but right. really when we get to the tip top here, we're splitting hairs on right. exactly. Are they QB three versus QB five? Are they QB two versus QB four? All I'm telling you is I'm not saying that I'm drafting Daniel Jones as QB five. Actually, I have him ranked as a top 10 QB for the season QB nine. Mm -hmm. Am I having to draft him there? No, but I'm telling you right now that he has the ceiling to possibly get there. Yeah, you can get him outside the top 125. So that's the point yes. that we're trying to make here is that you can get a guy with that type of potential later and then really try to really, especially in your one QB teams, where you can build a really great starting lineup and then get your quarterback there around pick 130 or so. Uh, last thing that I'm going to say about the Mahomes, Daniel Jones, Mahomes through 37 touchdowns was QB5. So... There are, I mean, I don't think it's that erroneous to say that he could throw 37 touchdowns, be a great quarterback, Super Bowl winner possibly again, mm -hmm. but be QB6 while Danny Jones goes from 15 touchdown passes to say 25 and keeps that, the, the the rushing metrics and all that stuff. So, okay. I, I, th this is why I have you on, D-Bro. I love it. You got the juices flowing. Danny Dimes, flag plant quarterback. Now let's move on to running back. This one, I told you right before we hit went record, I was excited about this player because I don't know what it is, but it feels like there was a peak of hype maybe a month ago, and it's kind of subsided when I feel like we should be at the top of the of the Crazy roller coaster nuts. getting ready to be very excited about this guy because, let's face it, the fantasy community has been clamoring for this guy mm -hmm. to be a bell cow for years, Derek. And all signs are pointing that 2023 will be that year. So which one of these running backs are you planting your flag on? Dude, why in the hell do people not have Tony Pollard ranked as a top three running back this season? I don't understand that at all. I don't get it, man. Like, <laughs> you look at the various sites. All this man did was finish his RB8 in fantasy points per game last season with, oh, look at that. He only played 50% uh, of the snaps. He only got 48% of the opportunities. But he was a top 10 running back, and mm -hmm. everybody's out there like, well, you know... Tony Pollard, I'm probably going to rank it like RB8, <laughs> RB7, uh, maybe RB9. I don't know. Maybe Zeke goes back there. Maybe they give up uh, red zone carries to Ronald Jones. Like, Rogan. are you – is anybody listening to themselves when they're sitting here spouting this off? Like, are you listening to yourself? Because I do not understand it. I feel like we are stuck in a time warp, Maddie. No, I feel yeah. like we have gone back in time – and what we are dealing with is the same bullshit that I heard when Austin Eckler was going to get take over the backfield for the Chargers. Oh, is he going to get the red zone carries? Are they going to trust him? I don't know. Except for the fact that we have a bigger back who is six foot, 210, who was top 15 in red zone conversion rate last year, who has shown us that he is one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL over multiple seasons. He has a massive pass game ceiling. He was 
what, 19th in evaded tackles, top five in breakaway run rate. He was top five in yards per route run. Like, this guy is freaking fantastic, Maddie. Mm-hmm. He could break fantasy football, and I'm going out on a supposed limb here, and I have Tony freaking Pollard as my RB1 overall. You can check the ranks on fantasypros.com. You can come hate on it. You can run from it. You can dread it. But guess what? Just like Thanos said, it all arrives all the same. Tony Pollard is going to eviscerate people. Tony Pollard is going to smash. Tony Pollard is going to absolutely run away with your leagues and fantasy points this season. He is going to crush. And I don't understand why I'm the only person out here with a damn megaphone saying Tony Pollard to the damn moon. But that's fine. That's totally fine. I'll stand on this branch. I'll be by myself. I'll have him as my RB1 overall. I do not care because guess what? You'll be happy at the end of the season when you drafted him. D, bro, you're getting the juices flowing. You're getting me all riled up here, and I love it. Love every second of it. And Pollard, you know, we got Pollard at running back five at player profile for our season ranking. So we love him over here. That's why I was so excited to, to hear Oh, don't worry. Me and Billy have been in the DMs, okay? <laughs> me and Mr. Muzio have talked about some Pollard, okay? Pa- oh, I, I Late night conversations, my friend. I, I had a message <laughs> to deliver. I'm glad you bring up Billy. I had a message. Of, um, good job drafting a sixth-place team. I believe was the message I was told to tell you. Billy, kiss my ass, okay? <laughs> I love you, but I'm not. He he shaded me at like 2 a.m. Okay, just to let everybody out there know, we had we had FFPC, we had pros versus Joes. He had a draft the night before my draft, mm-hmm. and he had the the ultimate run pure on this draft. Like everything was. I was there for Billy. it. Yes, I was there. For I it. was. I, I was DMing Billy as I'm watching this video back, and I'm like, Billy, what the he- Billy, come on. B- Billy, don't do him like that, Billy. Like, what are we – Billy, no. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dude, you had if I have that type of run out of my draft, I'm going to freak the hell out. And I was happy with my team. I, I didn't yeah. have the perfect run out that Billy had, but I was happy with my team. I send Billy my team, and he goes, eh, it's, it's a middle-of-the-road team. And I was like, shut up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> i love I would, billy to death man he's oh I would, cons- I would consistently tell people out there billy is one of the most accurate projection guys in the damn business he is absolutely freaking fantastic at his job he's awesome so everything that all the shit that i give billy <laughs> nothing but love I, I absolutely nothing but love yeah billy's awesome he told me to tell you that he want, he, he said it would rally up a of little course, bit of course <laughs> Of course, there, there. Of course, there was going to be landmines planted for me by Billy. I, I had, I walked straight into this. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry. You know, it, I love having the show. Please come back. I, I, I love easily, it, dude. I can relay I a message back it. to Billy too. You know, I, I, I love. It. Oh no, don't worry. My DMs. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk to Billy directly. Okay, he's gonna feel the full pain. <laughs> oh, baby. Uh oh, Bill, watch out. And, and you know what's funny about Billy? He's like, he's on the West Coast, so he can hit you late. He can hit oh, you Oh, yeah, late. dude. No, we usually – I get random DMs from him at times at like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. And I, I – well, I don't even call him uh, Billy these days. I just call his ass Wolverine at like that beautiful mane <laughs> oh, that he yeah, is yeah. going. It's yeah, all yeah, over the place, yeah. dude. It's absolutely fantastic. And that's where it all started, right? Wasn't he uh, out there in the Pacific West Coast? He was out in like the, that area, the Bend, Oregon, let's just call it. Hey, man. On the loose. Just he just I mean, dude, looks like he's been living off the land. You know, next thing we know, he's going to be the new liver king for player profiler. 
Billy Boozy on the Liver King can play fun. I love it. <laughs> oh my god, I gotta work on that. That's gotta be a meme today. It, okay, so well, <laughs> I was gonna Billy's head on Liver King's body. Oh my god, I gotta make that. That's gotta okay. happen now. I wish I could oh, cut it. So no one steals this, but we're live. So, well, this is out in the open. <laughs> Oh, Billy the Liver King Museum. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's so good. That's so good. So Tony mm. Pollard, he's your RB1. So you like him yeah. over the you know the, the, the eight or so that's pretty that's consensus ranked over him. So is he your absolute target in round two? You're you're walking away with him, or are you oh, saying yeah. screw it? I'm going round one. No, I mean I've I've taken him in round one in some underdog best ball drafts. I posted mm-hmm. one last night. Um I took Bijan and I took Tony Pollard, but there's another ones where I flipped the uh, flipped the build. Like I've taken Tony Pollard in the first round, and then backed him up with somebody like Amonra in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, spoiler alert: we're going to talk about Amonra St. Brown here in a second. Um, <laughs> but I have no problem with Tony Pollard. I, I think Tony Pollard should be a first round pick. Like if you mm-hmm. look at my overall ranks on, on Fantasy Pros, he is a first round pick. And I'm not telling people they have to draft in there, but look, if you're in a deep league, if you're in a 14 teamer or you're just shooting shots and you're like, look, I'm not missing out on Tony Pollard. Mm -hmm. I I won't hate on any amount of Tony Pollard in the first round taken at all. I was on uh, mind of Manchester talking with Matt Kelly. We were, I was talking about uh, something I like to call franchise speak because sometimes Mm -hmm. the franchises tell us what they're trying to do without using words. Their actions is what we can see. And the Cowboys have told us to just gear up for Tony Pollard. They didn't draft anybody other than Deuce Vaughn, which, you could argue off as a favor to one of their, you know, own. His dad is a scout there. So, I mean, it's not like they went out and totally reached on a running back that they're pushing uh, Pollard out. Their only free agent of note is Ronald Jones. They're okay with Malik Davis being on that depth chart. So there's no way that Tony Pollard doesn't just become their perennial bell cow. And if you look at Zeke, Zeke's lowest touchdown total was eight. But most years is 12. 12, 16 one year, nine for two years. I mean, he was right around 10 touchdowns a game. Tony Pollard had 12 total touchdowns last year. Touchdowns in Tony Pollard will be synonymous in 2023. So I love that as your breakout or or your, your flag plant player for running back. Let's move on to wide receiver. And despite what some of you may think, it is not Amon Ra here, but this is a second year receiver who... Uh, I loved early on in the process last year. He was my sleeper in January after watching him on ESPN in college. He was not a sleeper by the time drafts rolled around because he just balled out all throughout the, the rookie process. And then when he hit the field last year, he scored touchdowns. He scored a lot of touchdowns. Now, there are some naysayers saying that this touchdown regression is going to hit. It's going to hit hard. So, Bill, uh, so, so I was called you Bill. Is he talking about him now? Derek, D, bro. This guy's in my head. D, bro, give us your flag plant wide receiver. Christian Watson is the truth, and people need to wrap their damn heads around it. I've been trying to tell people since I saw him at Senior Bowl, nobody could cover him there. Nobody can cover him in the NFL. I don't know what else people have to see. And they want to write it off. You know, the guy goes out and he tests like an alien. He goes to the Senior Bowl before his rookie season, and nobody can freaking cover him. Nobody Mm -hmm. at all. Everybody calls him raw. He goes out there. He's sitting here juking people left and right in the open field. You look at what he did last year in the games where he played 80% or more of the snaps. And I I get it was a small sample size, but the sample size I'm going to use, let let me back up here for a second. Everybody that that screams small sample size, one NFL season is a small sample size. So don't come at me with that shit. I'm going to sit here and tell you the six games, we got Christian Watson at 80% of the snaps. So he's playing the full game people. What he did was absolutely amazing. 
he had a 23% target share. He had a 42% end zone target share. He had a 26% target per route run rate. If all of these numbers, if I need to contextualize this for you, those are all wide receiver one type of metrics. Not only he, did he do all of that, in that same span, he had 3.0 yards per route run. If you stack that up against anybody over the entirety of the season, it would have been wide receiver one territory. We're talking top 10, top five metrics. Christian Watson should be talked about in the same ilk, the same breath as Chris Olave, as Garrett Wilson, as Drake London. He should be up there. And the only reason he's not it's because Aaron Rodgers is not there anymore. If Aaron Rodgers was still in Green Bay, people would put the same kind of respect on Christian Watson's name that they put on Chris Olave's, that they put on Garrett Wilson's. He would be steamed up to high heavens, but because he's not, we all get to enjoy the discount. We mm. all get to enjoy mm -hmm. the fact that Christian Watson's not being drafted as a wide receiver one, not being drafted as a top 15 wide receiver. The skepticism is, is real around him. And for everything that people want to poke holes in it, Christian Watson... Last year, amongst 82 qualifying wide receivers, 13th in ESPN open score was Garrett Wilson. The man right behind him, immediately behind him. The discount version was Christian Watson at 14th. Top 15 in the NFL at getting open. Jordan Love does not have to be amazing this year. Jordan Love does not have to be a difference maker. Jordan Love does not have to be Aaron Rodgers for Christian Watson to absolutely light stuff on fire. He is going to explode. He's going to have a fantastic sophomore season. And Maddie, I'm just going to throw this out there. How many years in a row do we have to see that second and third year wide receivers are the bets to make? This mm -hmm. is the way, people. <clears throat> if they have talent to show out and blow up in their first season, then you better damn believe that a full off season of building rapport with Jordan Love and to sit here and work on his craft, Christian Watson's going to be even better in year two. Christian Watson is poised to smash. And my follow-up question, you kind of answered, but let's just make it crystal clear for our listeners. What's your expectations on Love? Um, Middling QB2. Like, I, I don't have amazing ideas for love like right now i've got him as my qb 24 and okay. that's fine like i don't need jordan love to sit here and be aaron Rodgers. i don't need jordan love to sit here and be anything more than jordan love can be and all he needs to do is fashion catchable targets in the direction of christian watson and for everybody out there that loves romeo dubs we've already seen what that looks like christian watson was commanding all this volume right next to romeo dubs who the hell is going to take away targets from Christian Watson? Romeo Dubs? No, we've already seen that. Rookie no. tight ends? No. Well, they're not going to do that. No way in hell. Oh, wait. Uh, Jaden Reed, a second-round rookie? Um, No. Not going to happen, baby. Christian Watson's going to eat. I See, I kind of agree with what you're saying. The only pushback I'll give, it's not even really pushback. It's just a different way of seeing the situation playing out. I think Der I think Jordan Love will be a little bit better than mid. I think he's the upper echelon of the mids, the Derek Carr areas, those type of mids. And I think that that yeah. more of that, a little bit more uh, optimistic projection is why I also believe in Jaden Reed. But if he stinks, Jaden Reed is not the guy that's going to take away Christian Watson targets. I just believe that they'll both be able to succeed because Jordan Love's better. Uh, or, or could be better than QB24. I think Christian Watson is poised to break out. Listen, nine touchdowns, you can call it. Even, touchdown regression, you can call it what you will. 
good players score touchdowns. And he showed he was a damn good player scoring seven touchdowns in three games. Almost like an absolute unheard of metric there. And when we're talking the quarterback downgrade, if that's what people want to you know, get really, really nervous about going from Rodgers to Jordan Love, let me just read three stats for you, Derek, that I believe should nullify all those worries for anyone out there. Last year, Christian Watson had the 90th highest target quality rating, 94th catchable target rate, in the 41st target accuracy metric. So that's not good amongst a lot. And, then, you know, wide receivers, you kind of divide those numbers down a little bit because there's two or three per team. But still, you're talking about an Aaron Rodgers that was not particularly accurate while throwing the ball to Christian Watson. So if Jordan Love just has to be the upper echelon of mid, and Christian Watson will return value. And like you said, we're getting that little bit of discount on Christian Watson, so it's a great, uh, great, great time to be alive if you love Christian Watson. Uh, let's move on to the tight end that you want to plant your flag on. I'm not going to tee it up. This is your guy. I will say this though: every believer, every uh, uh, jock strap rider of this guy comes second to you. You are the first that was given this man his flowers. So the floor is yours. Talk about your flag plant tight end. I mean, I'm going to go with Danny Dimes wide receiver one, baby. The guy that is going in the middle rounds that can absolutely rival Travis Kelsey this season for the tight end one spot. And it, it's coming. If he stays healthy, it's coming, people. Get ready for it. Strap in. Get your seatbelts checked. Darren Waller is going to crush. I mean, I've been on this train. I mean, look, Maddie, my, my, my video for Darren Waller is in the damn draft kit for Player Profiler, <laughs> okay? I crafted right this months ago, man. <laughs> months yeah. ago. And people are still sleeping. I mean, yeah. come on, dude. It's the opening of training camp, and all we're getting is all these positive vibes and headlines about Darren Waller, man. And I, I've been out there preaching this for yes. months, and nobody wanted mm. to hear it. Everybody's like, oh, he's hurt. Oh, he's hurt. Oh, he's hurt. I love your naysayer voice. It's I love terrible, it. terrible, man. But that's the kind of shit that I hear out there when I'm tweeting this in like freaking February, April, May. And people are like, hey, I just, I don't know about it, man. Like right after the trade, I'm like, this is fantastic. Do y'all not understand that the Giants are crafting their offense exactly like the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not telling you Daniel Jones is going to be Patrick Mahomes, but what I'm saying is this offense is all going to run through Darren Waller, and he's not washed, man. He was dinged up. He was hurt over the last few years. And for everybody that's like, oh, well, he was hurt, he's old, you're going to sit here and say that Darren Waller is old, but in the same breath, you're going to go out there and say, but I need to, I need to possibly consider drafting Travis Kelsey in the first round. Bingo. Really? Really? The, I, I, I'm sorry. I thought you they're all old. Like Travis, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey just didn't have the injury stuff. He's been an iron man. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you not to draft Travis Kelsey, but to sit here and call Darren Waller old and washed and hurt and broken down when you're sitting there willing to put your, thumper cap on and sit there and be like all right i'm gonna stand for somebody it's gonna happen like in the first round for travis kelsey what are we doing here that is darren waller is fantastic it's such a big point you bring up with that because i believe in darren waller because i believe in travis kelsey you can't have it both ways you can't out of one side of your mouth like you were saying and i love your naysayer voice so if you want to take over with any naysayer voice you want to do it it's fantastic but you, I want to take. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna take Travis <laughs> Kelsey at the 101 in Scott Fishbowl, but I'm not gonna take Darren Waller. 
because he's know, old. Man. He's three years I don't younger. get it. I mean, and listen, the the haters, they he might get hurt, and they might go, "See, I told you." But we're talking about a tight end position that if you ain't first, you might be last. So why not take a chance on a guy like Waller? The metrics that I care about all scream that Darren Waller is not washed. He led all tight ends in yards per route run against man coverage last year. And if you want one metric to kind of point back to about seeking out ceiling and can guys win and do they still have that upper top shelf type of ceiling, that's one that I'm going to point out religiously, man, as well as he was 10th in fantasy points per target, fifth in yards per target, second in yards per reception. Like, I mean, pick out a metric that tells you the 11th in yards per route run. What metric are you pulling up on Darren Waller that says that he's old, decrepit, and terrible? Because mm-hmm. I don't see it, people. He's worth taking the shot on. The health aside, he's worth it. You have met tight end two. I, yes. If you could guarantee me health, I think everyone have met tight end two. Yes. And that's the issue. And but I, I'm my whole thing is that. none of us have that, that injury for as much as the Boo Birds are out there and they have their crystal balls and they think that they know every single damn player that's going to ever get injured for the history of the NFL. Like, all into the future. I, I'm all knowing and all seeing. You need to go play his bets, man. You need to just go play the Millie. You need to go play the lottery. <laughs> all these different types of things. Because yeah. you're that damn clairvoyant, then you need to be doing something besides being on Twitter and sitting here talking about you know all these different things about who's going to stay healthy, right. who's going to get hurt, and everything in between. I'm not going to sit here and play that game, man. All I'm going to sit here and tell you is that whether or not he stays healthy, the talent is still there and if the talent's there if the situation and opportunity are there and they sure as hell are darren waller could rival everything we saw the last time that he was surrounded by nothing but like just mid and beta wide receivers what did he do in that season 145 targets he was the tight end two in fantasy points per game in 2020 that that is equally possible this season darren waller last year in nine games Derek. so this shows how, how how commanding he could be. And we're hearing it in camp that he is uncoverable. He's making everyone throw fits. He's dominating. Also, They made love- him sit out of a drill so Daniel Jones would throw the damn ball to other people <laughs> yesterday. Just let that soak in for a second. That's pretty, and he changed his name. I think, I mean, his number to ten. Sweet, I love the, I love the new number. Maybe pretty Swag. swagged out. But last year, he had a seventeen point nine percent dominator rating. That's what that's, and you might be saying, Maddie, that's only fifteenth amongst tight ends. That's not good. He played in nine games, and the dominator rating mm-hmm. is made by this. This is how we get the dominator rating. It is a receiver's percentage of total receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. He played with freaking Devonte Adams. And he was able to get a seven, a damn 18% dominator rating in nine games. He can take over a game, people. And Danny Dimes, Darren Waller's stack, Musk, six to midnight, D-Bro. I mean, I talked about it on Twitter, and you can go check the receipts, man. I said that Daniel, Daniel Jones and Waller are my league-winning stack this year. I love it. Like I said, I got a bunch of Darren Waller and I got some Danny Times out there because of your recommendations. I believed in your convictions. And if you believe in these convictions, I recommend you do the exact same. But that's why we got you here, D bro, because we love this passion. I love, you know, getting to talk to you about your flag plant players. So these next three things, we can go kind of a little bit more rapid fire if you like. I don't care. It's up to you. It's all good. We're going to talk about an early round flag plant, a mid round, and a late round. So where do you want to start in the draft? At the back end or the front end? Uh, let's start at the front end, man. Let's start giving some love to it. Look, it with this season, and I've thrown it out there before, and I'll say it again. With how much people love wide receivers this year, and especially if you're drafting on underdog, and if you're drafting on FFPC, and all these different formats, 
wide receivers are getting pushed up the board. And I've continued to say it. We need to be picky. We need to be selective. We need to be extremely picky about the wide receivers that we're going to sit here and throw our chips in, the -hmm. wide receivers that we're going to draft this year. Because if the draft cost is getting higher and higher by the day on wide receivers, then yes, you need to be splitting hairs on these players. And you need to sit here and have conviction. And basically this all comes back to there need to be guys that stand out above the rest of the field in those first two to three rounds where you're saying, I like this guy better than that one. I like that mm-hmm. guy better. Than, and I'm not telling you to draft 40% of them in best ball portfolios. But what I'm saying and the, the whole point about this is, is that you can't draft everybody, Maddie. You got to mm-hmm. pick and choose. You only get one pick in the first round. You only get one pick in the second round. So mm-hmm. who the hell are you going to sit here and put your chips behind and put your hard-earned dollars with? And for me, that's Amon Ross St. Brown, man. The sun god, baby. I think he absolutely has wide receiver one overall upside this season. And I'm not prognosticating that Justin Jefferson is going to fall apart or that mm-hmm. Jamar Chase is going to fall apart or that Joe Burrow is going to be lost for the entire season. I'm not telling anybody all of that. What I'm going to say here is that Amon Ross St. Brown can get the volume bump, can be that type of wide receiver. He can put up numbers. I'm not telling you to the historic level of Cooper Cup, but we are going to see Amon Ross St. Brown take another freaking step forward this year. And in a Lions offense last year, Matty, he was eighth in raw target volume. He was 11th in target share, third in target per route run rate, third. And I think that that really needs to be hit home here is that he was top five in target per route run rate. So what do we need for his targets to go up? Okay, we need the Lions to throw more. If he runs more routes and he's getting targeted at this high of a clip, then if they run more plays and they throw the ball more, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to just hoover targets. He's going to vacuum the hell out of targets. And we saw this last year, dude, over the final eight games. Final eight games that the Lions played last year. They were 11th in neutral pace. They were 12th in neutral passing rate. So we already have a large enough sample to say, wow, the Detroit Lions want to throw the ball more. Wow, the Detroit Lions want to run more plays. And everybody's like, yeah, but Amon Ross St. Brown is good as like, you know, low-end wide receiver one. I'm sorry. You are massively underrating what his ceiling is. I have him as wide receiver five. I have him over people like A.J. Brown. Because the other part that people don't understand is that Amon Ross St. Brown is going to score. He will score double-digit touchdowns this season. And that's massive for a player that, look, he had six touchdowns last year. That's not going to sit here and perk anybody's ears up. That's in the conversation of Keenan Allen of of previous years where we're like, well, everything lines Mm -hmm. up. He's doing great. He's doing grand, but he's not freaking scoring touchdowns. The touchdowns are coming. And again, I'm going to go back to last season and tell you that the touchdowns are coming because in weeks 10 through 18, Maddie, half of a freaking season, Amon Ross St. Brown led all wide receivers in red zone targets. First, top of the hill. There was nobody that got more love inside the 20 than him. So, yes, I firmly believe he's going to score 10-plus touchdowns. He gets into that 10 to 12 touchdown range. The target volume goes from the 140s to the 160s. He is going to be a top five wide receiver he is going to put himself in the conversation for wide receiver one overall like i don't understand what else we got to see man he 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 had 146 targets had six touchdowns that does one does not you know one of these things is not like the other 
You talk about from 10 to 18 getting those red zone targets again to only score six touchdowns in the year. That's not going to compute. This guy has that dog in him. He wants to be the best receiver in the NFL. Every single – what, what are the clips we see? One-handed catches on the jugs machine. Everything he's doing is to get better. He's got a good enough quarterback. He's got a great offensive coordinator. And look at that Detroit Lions schedule this year. We love what we're seeing, and it's going to start in week one against Kansas City Chiefs and what could be a massive shootout affair because those first games of the seasons tend to be absolute bananas. So if he just gets off to a crazy start, now he's just playing with house money for a couple weeks. But I th- I'm with you. I love it. I'm in Ross St. Brown. I, love, I think he's uh, one of the most premier wide receiver talents in the league. Love him in Dynasty. Uh, Matt Kelly, he was on the, the Trade Gods last week when we were talking. He presented this question that actually started on the Dynasty Roundtable. So he said the, the conversation was what wide receiver could propel themselves into the Jace, uh, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson tier? Uh, and a few of them said Amon Ra. I believe C.D. Lamb, but Amon Ra mm-hmm. was their one A, one B to me in that scenario. I think they both have similar skill sets, similar situations. So, do you believe that Amon Ra is that guy that we will be looking at next year? Going, he's obviously wide receiver three in dynasty. He might even be pushing wide receiver two. Yes, I firmly believe that, dude. And I think that what's going to give him that absolute ceiling this year is not only everything we talked about. The, the bump in red zone usage, the target rate, this offense throwing more, mm-hmm. all of those different things. But the other things that we're hearing outside of camp and the second evolution of his game that we've already seen take place. The Detroit Lions have already talked about using him on, on deep targets, using mm-hmm. him down the field. And that's something we have not seen to this point. And so am I telling you that he is going to sit here and stop getting all the targets underneath? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am going to tell you is he's sure as hell is going to get more than six, six deep targets that he got last year, which was <laughs> yeah. 96th amongst all wide receivers. Yeah. And the second evolution of his game, Maddie, that we've already seen is the ability to win outside, the mm-hmm. ability to win versus man coverage on player profile right now. Not only is Amon Ra like 14th in total route wins, he was also seventh in win rate versus man coverage, fifth in target rate versus man coverage. These metrics show to you and should explain to people that not only can Amon Ra win via the slot, these players that are have make their money in the slot, that can also play outside. Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup. We need to stop shading these guys and saying they're slot-only players like it's some kind of damn detriment. It's not. They're put in positions to absolutely just eat targets. And when they can win outside and beat man coverage, and Amon Ra is going to win down the field. He will do that this year. I'm telling you, he will. When he does that, we're going to see another evolution of his game. We're going to see a higher ceiling. We're going to see his numbers also perk up. Pikachu to Ryachu, baby. I love it. If I told you, though, D-Bro, not a single game did he go over 100 air yards. Would you believe me? Yep. Amon Ra St. Brown did not have a single game in 2022 where he had over 100 air yards. That's going to change. That's definitely going to change. And the the weeks that you were talking about, 10 through 18, we saw a ton of red zones. He had games, 10 targets, 7 catches, 76 yards. 13 targets, 7 catches, 76 yards. If those become 7 catches for a buck 20, a buck 10, I mean, these spike weeks that he's already having become mega spike weeks. And that is the evolution of Amon Rase Brown. Now, let's move on to the middle part of the draft and planting your flag on another receiver. Now, Matt Kelly presented a wide receiver he could see jolting into another stratosphere. 
rookie from Ohio State, JSN. So go ahead and talk about uh, as many of these flag plants that you're planting in the mid rounds. Two guys. I mean, look in round in best ball drafts right now, redraft leagues. I'm telling people they need to double tap the tandem of Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnston. Both of these guys, and I know Matt Kelly's not high on Quentin Johnston. And that's fine. Yeah, I'm look, not either. I'm I, not either I, I, either. I, I will push back against it, but I'm not going to sit here and tell the Podfather that his process is not sound. We can agree to disagree, and that's the great yep. thing about yep. fantasy analysis. And the thing about JSN and QJ that I love right now is they're both being priced as wide receiver threes and drafts mm-hmm. because all of this perceived target murkiness, Maddie, all we need is what either one of two things happens. And I'm not even going to tell you that they need injuries to step forward and be those dudes this year. The talent profile is there for them to be those guys. And if not, even if we wanted to throw in the injuries, because here's the thing, I don't really understand how people could say in one breath and say, I don't really want to invest in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They get hurt all the time. But then they let Quentin Johnston stay on the draft board until wide receiver four territory. Mm-hmm. Somebody make that make sense to me. Yeah, Help me. You, you Explain that you shit can't. to me like I'm five years old because I don't really <laughs> understand that. You're going to tell me that you don't believe that two of the main cogs in a passing offense can stay healthy. You you have your reservations, and it's it shows up in ADP. Both those guys are wide receiver threes, wide receiver twos in drafts. But you don't believe they could stay healthy, yet you're letting Quentin Johnston hang around on the board as a wide receiver mm. four. Come on. Come on. <laughs> really? Quentin Johnston has the physical skills. He has the first round pedigree. He also has the multi-layered skill set to where he is going to be used in a multitude of roles this year. He not only can win deep, we've also, we know, and I can quote these numbers for days about what he can do in missed tackles forced and after the catch and all that kind of stuff. People have heard all of that shit. What I'm going to tell you is that Quentin Johnston is going to be used more in the slot this year. And I talked about outside or slot wide receivers that don't get their due about the ability to still win outside. Keenan Allen can still win outside. Don't let anybody sit here and and pull Mm -hmm. the shade over your eyes and tell you that he can't because he absolutely can. And the numbers bear that out. Quentin Johnston, last year at TCU, 25% of his target volume came via the slot. He led the entire damn nation in slot yards per route run and slot yak per reception. He is going to be used via the slot, not that's not going to be his predominant home, but 40%, 35% in the slot this year, dialing up big plays, getting him into space, putting him on small nickel corners that he can absolutely bully. That's going to happen. So Quentin Johnson is one of these guys in the middle rounds. I'm going to draft aggressively. If there is an injury, he has wide receiver one slash two upside. If there's not an injury, he could still carve out a role on a team that where Justin Herbert, and I'm, I'm here to tell people, Justin Herbert is going to lead the NFL in passing attempts this year. That's going to happen. So 110, 120 targets in his rookie season for Quentin Johnston is incoming. And getting back to Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's another guy that we're talking about. He's typecast, Maddie, And people yeah, are like, well, but there's Tyler Lockett, but there's DK Metcalf. But how is he going to get targets? Well, Seattle was a top 12 pace and passing rate team. Now you are you added more blocking help. Now you added more receiving weapons to the to the idea here. They're not going to stop throwing the ball. Right. They're setting Geno Smith up to have an even better season. 
And yes, I like Tyler Lockett. I'm not trying to shade Tyler Lockett, but if we look at where Tyler Lockett wins and what Tyler Lockett is extremely good at, Tyler Lockett's going to go back to stretching the field, dude. His A dot has been going down for years because they needed him to beat zone coverage. I have preached this and preached this and preached this in DFS. I was like, if the team runs a lot of man coverage, we're going to see a lot of DK Metcalf. If they run zone coverage, we're going to see a lot of Tyler Lockett. Mm -hmm. Fantasy does not have to be hard, people. (laughs) This year, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be Seattle's preferred zone-beating weapon. He's going to do that. And we're already seeing clips out of camp. Not only can Jackson Smith and Jigba beat people via the slot, but also he can win outside. That man does not get enough credit for what he can do outside the numbers as well as via the slot. Mm-hmm. Jackson Smith and Jigba in, his, in 2021, the last time we saw him fully healthy, which he was garnering a 22.7% target share right next to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, flanking him, he was also first in receiving grade on deep mm-hmm. targets that season. He was also ninth in yards per route run on deep targets that season. JSN is a three-level threat. He is going to absolutely just gobble up targets in this offense. So for guys that, because of the talent around them, because of the narratives, because the rookies, because people hated this rookie class, they're being priced as wide receiver threes. And mm-hmm. that's not even close to their ceiling. Shit, that's not even close to their floor this year, Maddie. Like, if people loved this draft class, they would be talking about you need to sit here and draft both of these guys aggressively, but people did not love this draft class. And people still do not draft rookie wide receivers aggressively enough. And I'm going to harken back to one other thing, Maddie, before I just shut my mouth here. No, I love it, baby. I'm old enough to remember when we were supposedly drafting Jamar Chase at his supposed season in his rookie season, where we were taking him and there was no way he was going to pay off on that at all. How did that work out for people? <laughs> not good. Not good. Not good for me. I uh, decided to go off of Jamar Chase in that rookie draft. I'm not going to say for who because I want people to tune in again to the game plan. But, yes, we've I made that mistake before. I'm not making it again. When it comes to Jack Smith, the Jigba doesn't care. I don't care. Obviously, in your rookie drafts, he's going, you know, even as early as 103 in your single quarterback formats. So that is not part of the conversation. I'm talking more of startups and, and also redraft seasonal leagues. I'm finding myself having to take more and more JSN because I don't want to be the person who passed on JSN because he might be that talented. Remember that bowl game? We had over 300 passing yards, and we were like, this dude is him. He still is, and he absolutely has a skill set to to not just push aside other good wide receivers that are on the Seattle Seahawks, but he has the skill set to command a, a particular set of targets. And if he just cuts eight targets, 10 targets in week one, all of a sudden your windows to get him in dynasty are completely shut and nailed shut. Gone. And your ability to maybe finagle a move in seasonal leagues will probably have shut. You have him at a receiver 30. That's seven spots ahead of consensus, ahead of guys like Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams. Yep. So you must be getting a ton of JSN because those guys are, you're seeing come off the board before JSN. Yeah, man, I, I I have JSN at wide receiver 30. I have Quentin Johnston at wide receiver 31. I'm not backing off of it. Like, I, I want to sit here and be above consensus uh, throughout draft season for both of these players and just to sit here and pull up the overall uh, as well ADP that I've got or the overall ranking that I have of them. I have them both in the 60s. And right now, 
that's not quite high enough for JSN. I know he's going at 63rd because I just drafted him on another underdog team last night. So <laughs> I've got to bump him up a little bit higher. I want to make sure that I stay above consensus for both these guys, man, because I want people, if they're following my ranks, to get a lot of JSN and a lot of Quentin Johnston. And that's why I wanted you on, D-Bro, to plant those flags. Now, I'll get you out of here with this. So we're talking about late rounds, anywhere from 2015 maybe or, on, or beyond. Give me a couple late round flag plants that our listeners need to come away from their drafts with. Puka Nakua is that dude. I <laughs> you have been you've also I, been on Puka for some time. I mean, look, I, I watched this film, I broke down his tape, I broke down his analytics performance, a senior bowl, and I was just like, this guy's really damn good at football. And I I I I couldn't tell you why outside of injury concerns and he didn't go to a helmet college, like an sec school and stuff like that, why he lasted as long as he did in the NFL draft. And I understand that the testing metrics were not great for Puka, but come on. We we just talked about Amon Ross St. Brown, a guy who people gave him shit for running a four, six, six. I don't hear anybody talking about his testing metrics now, Maddie. Do you, I don't want anybody. I hear good things about uh, Puka Nakua so far in, in Rams camp. I mean, dude, Puka has been lighting it up, and Puka's going to continue to light it up. And if you look at what he did every single time he was on the field in college, we're looking at a player that was second and sixth. Again, let me say that for people and slow it down. (laughs) Top 10 in yards per route run over the final two collegiate seasons. He ranked 17th in contested target uh, catch rate on his last year in college. He had 357 rushing yards and five rushing scores. He ran at almost a 10 yards per carry clip in college. And now he just arrived to the Los Angeles Rams who have an open depth chart behind Cooper Cup. Van Jefferson is a beta wide receiver and a mid. He always has been, always will be. There's nobody else. Nobody else behind Cooper Cup that's demanding targets. Tyler Higby is just a ghost out there just sitting here gobbling up targets because there ain't nobody else to command them over him. Puka's going to be one of the best rookie draft picks that you could have made after this season. Like looking at rookie drafts, people got him in the third and fourth round of rookie drafts. You're going to be just absolutely head over heels happy that you drafted him because he's going to go out there. He's going to earn a starting role. He is going to command targets this year. I'm drafting all the Puka that I can. I've been doing it in rookie drafts. I will continue to do it in best ball. He's going the very, very last rounds mm-hmm. of drafts. And the Rams defense is god-awful, Maddie. It's terrible. It's bad. The Rams are going to it's have bad. to throw the ball, man. Yeah. Like, that's what's up, dude. But I could sit here and wax poetic about Puka for another 30 or 45 minutes. The other guy I want to bring <laughs> up here is somebody that's gotten a lot of hate, gotten a lot of shade, and I get it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that some of that, a lot of that's not deserved. But can we also have a discussion about the about the the total run bad for injuries and everything that Clyde Edwards Alaire has dealt with for his career? I mean, a lot of these things did not come out of the woodwork until after seasons have been passed. Like, would we have been looking at Clyde Edwards Alaire and hoping and praying and saying, oh, he's gonna bounce back, he's gonna be playing good if we'd have known that he got his gallbladder taken out, lost 20 to 30 pounds in previous years? Shit, no, man. We didn't mm-hmm. find out about that until after the season. But last year, everybody could sit here and say, oh, man, Jarek McKinnon was so good at the beginning of the, at the end of the year. And, yeah, he had absolute fantastic numbers. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was also winning people weeks at the beginning of the season. And yeah. we could say a lot of things and say that Clyde Edwards-Alaire has not lived up to our hope and our hype, but we cannot say that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was bad last year. 
if you look at all running backs with at least 70 carries and 20 targets and not those things, like basically those individual groupings, he was 23rd in yards at the contact per attempt. He was 12th in zone success run rate. He was 19th in explosive run rate. Top 20 in yards per route run. Those are not the metrics of a terrible running back. Those are the metrics of an explosive three-down type of player. And if he's finally healthy, I'm going to keep drafting Clyde edwards lair in the final rounds of drafts because here's the thing. I'm not telling you that he's going to definitively be the starter week one for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. But what it is, what is the case for Clyde edwards lair he is one injury away from either doing one of two things. Either he's going to take over the early down role if anything happened to Pacheco because Jarrett McKinnon is washed. Like, Jarrett McKinnon can play really good on play- passing downs. That's I'm what he is for them, to... yeah. Yeah, he's a passing down back. Yeah, and and remember, terrible too. terrible on early downs. Terrible and on early re- downs. Remember with McKinnon, they let him dangle in free agency for a little bit. So they did not bring him back to be like, you're going to get the early down work. We can pretty much say for certain, Jarrett McKinnon's not going to get that. But CEH, you know, he was getting a lot of work last year to start the year. Yeah. You mentioned that. So. He could be the early down guy if Pacheco gets hurt. He yeah. can also take over the passing stuff if anything happens to McKinnon. And McKinnon's an aging back. If he gets hurt, yes. that's CEH's job. So what are we talking about? You're literally getting CEH on your teams for the, the grandiose price of freemium. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to yeah. pay anything. He yeah. is going to go undrafted in all of your regular redraft leagues. He's a last-round pick in best ball. Pick him up if one of these guys goes out in, the, in in training camp or misses the beginning of the season like Pacheco or misses time in the season. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to take over one of those roles for them, if not maybe win one of those roles out of camp. So mm-hmm. I don't understand. All of the risk is baked in and all of the upside is not. We've had a lot of rules that we take to heart here at the game plan because we've had some great guests like yourself. And one of those rules is they're on a 53 there for me when it comes to running backs. And if he makes that 53 man, he needs to be at least thought about. And another concept that we talk about in the game plan is, is fab savers. Scott Edwards Lair in the last round dart throw might save you a shitload of fab if he yep. becomes something like this. We all know what he was, first round draft capital. We know Patrick Mahomes vouched for this guy, and that if he was propelled into a role that seems more lucrative than he currently has, you're gonna have to pay through the nose in fab or have the number one waiver wire to, to go and get it. So if you grab him at the end of the, your draft, you grab him with your very last pick. Like you said, he, he's going at a freemium right now. You could save yourself a whole lot of fab. And I want to put this in perspective for the, the listeners of the game plan here today is what Debro is saying with these plant, these flag plants at the late, he's not saying take these guys in round 12. He's saying Puka Nakua, you have him at wide receiver 71, but that's seven, it's 19 spots ahead of consensus versus ADP. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards Lay, you have right around running back 50. So what you're saying is you get these guys at the end, yeah. and there are outs in which they vastly outperform their ADP. Like, I might sound like I'm crazy and like I'm totally <laughs> batshit nuts. I'm not. But I'm ser- we're trying to give the people the good word about how mm-hmm. to exploit late ADP mm-hmm. and how to crush your drafts, even in these final rounds. D-Bro, you absolutely came and you crushed the game plan. Thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful Saturday. The floor is yours. Promote anything you're working over at Fantasy Pros and let the good people know where they can find you. Oh, man. Too kind, Maddie. This was an absolute blast, man. We got to do this again uh, love it. very, very soon. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, look, all the things and stuff people know is over at FantasyPros.com. I just updated my perfect draft, which has over 50 
players that I'm targeting this year. I think there's like 65 players in that total. So yes, it is my Bible for this 2023 season. It runs you through early rounds, late rounds, guys that you can get Puka's in there, CEH is in there, players that you can get the final rounds of even deep leagues. So people need to go check that out. I just updated my ranks for Dynasty, Redraft, Best Ball, all those types of things. Um, our draft kits are live on Fantasy Pros. And, man, it's all things, all stuff. It's draft season, baby. Much love for the Player Profiler yes. team. I love you guys. Y'all are putting out fantastic content. Yourself, Billy, Theo, the entire team. Big Matt Kelly, love that dude forever. He gave me one of my first, I mean, starts writing mm -hmm. in this space. And I can never repay that type of kindness, man. So, you want me to plug things, man. I'm just sitting here and plug it back to player profiler, man. Love the team. Love what y'all are doing, dude. You're a pros pro, D bro. Love having you on. Thank you so much for joining. This was a great conversation, a great topic, and I, and I just love your passion for fantasy and, and for, for delivering it. You're just one of the best in the biz, so thank you. That's going to be a wrap on the game plan. Make sure to find me on Twitter at Matty Kiwum. All my content comes out at playerprofiler.com. Crossover week came and went. So, but if you missed any of those shows, seeing some hosts on different shows, go ahead and check that out. The Player Profiler YouTube channel. Subscribe to that channel. Like this video. Leave a comment about how Debo crushed it. And let's get him back here soon for the game plan because he was absolutely fun to talk fantasy football with keep game planning my friends and i'll talk to you next week peace